Welcome to the Book Machine Podcast, Conversations in Publishing. The podcast that explores the stories of inspiring people from the publishing world. Tune into our monthly episodes to learn more about how books are brought to life. And to get an insider's perspective on the publishing industry. Hello everyone, I'm Gemma, a digital marketing strategist at Book Machine and welcome to the Book Machine Podcast. This is the show about the people that make publishing happen. And it's great to have you with us. So firstly, I'm going to introduce my co-host, Gavin Summers. Welcome, Gavin. Hello. Hello, Gemma. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm I'm getting used to the colder weather. We finally moved into some actual autumn weather, which makes me very happy. It's my time of year. (laughs) Well, I've um, hit that that kind of milestone in the year uh, where I first decided to put on a jumper. (laughs) It's... (laughs) big milestone for me and yeah is that your celtic blood allowing you to (laughs) keep the t-shirt on a bit longer i think it was time time to admit that i had to put away the shorts bring a jump and that was the big the big thing for me yesterday so yeah we're we're properly into autumn now i reckon i love it so who have we got with us this week well today uh, we're we're thrilled to speak with emma house uh live from the frankfurt book fair uh, now, Emma is the founder and managing consultant of the Orem Group, and we'll be talking about her approach to leadership, managing teams, and company strategy. Great to be here. <laughs> Welcome, Emma. Thank you. So, so Emma, we, we asked a lot of our guests, well, I think every one of our guests, actually, what the book was that made them want to get into the book industry, if there was one book. I think you're absolutely right. I don't think it was one book. I think it was more books in general. Um, I think, you know, I grew up surrounded by books and was a real avid reader from a young age. And I started my career actually in the magazine publishing industry. And I really enjoyed the publishing process that was connected with magazines. Um, But the the last magazine that I worked on was a business-to-business global magazine for the television industry. And I spent a lot of time at trade shows for this sector. And after six years of working in the magazine world, my fancy to change. Um, And that's when I saw a role being advertised for the London Book Fair. So I'd really enjoyed my time at trade shows and and this curiosity to see things from the other side, Mm. coupled with the thought of actually working with books, really made me think I'd found the job of my dreams. Amazing. Well, Emma, we we asked this um, of our our last guest uh, in a previous episode, but just wanted to get your your take really on on what you think makes a a good leader in, in publishing. Well, I'm not sure that um, leadership in publishing is any different than leadership in in any other sector. Mm. Um, But I think self-awareness really comes first, knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are, building a team around you with skills other than your own, Mm. and building a team that you can really inspire and empower. Um, And I think empowerment is a real art form. And really making sure that it's different to delegating 
because I think delegating is important as well. But I think empowerment and delegating are very different things. Um, and I think empowerment is is really important to inspiring a team. Um, I also think communication is another skill, which does involve listening as well as outward communication. And I mean really active listening and asking people for their opinion, taking their opinion on board. Um, and I think other people skills that I would say are really important are empathy and respect and treating yes. others as you wish to be treated yourself. So I think I think those are, are skills and um, attributes that I think um, a, a good leader should possess. And I think I agree with that in publishing as I would with most other businesses, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't I, agree more. Empathy is 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 a really big one. I, I've always found, and just being able to, you know, it, it's it, everyone is is different and responds to you know leadership and and management in, in in different ways. And you know, having that that empathy is so important. But it's also amazing, I think, how many people don't fully realise that communication is not just broadcasting. Yeah, that it's absolutely. very much like you said, actively receiving. Um, it yeah, is, and I think that's kind of underrated, isn't it? It is, and I think in today's world, it's so easily to be distracted when you're having conversations with people. But to actually sit and listen to people and ask the right questions, to draw out the right information from them, yeah. and and get to know somebody's personality and work out what motivates them. Um, and and to to listen to their goals, their aspirations, as well as challenges that they're having, both in their personal life and professional life. I think, yeah, really active listening is really important. Yeah, for sure. Um, so looking looking very briefly at your your CV, I mean, wow. Um, so as you mentioned before, you, I mean, obviously, you're you know founder and managing sultan of the Oran Group and. Head of International Development, Event Manager at the London Book Fair, Deputy CEO of the Publishers Association, Board Member of Publish Her. I mean, wow. Um, do you consider yourself a natural leader um, or is this something you've kind of learned and honed over the years? I think that's a really good question. Um, personally, I can't say that I've been a natural leader. And I do think that it's a skill that you're always learning and you're always honing. Um, I think experience and hindsight are great things when it comes to leadership. And certainly I'm always reflecting on previous experiences, asking myself what I've learned, what could I have done better? Um, I also look to other leaders who I admire and respect and watch their style and their skills to try to better understand what makes them good leaders. So I think I think some people can be natural leaders, but I do think that experience and working with others, be it being mentored, being coached, being observing others, I think really contributes to the ability to hone your leadership skills. Yeah, I agree. I think I think what I found as well in in you know the, the, the leaders that I admire, you know, once they they've kind of got to that point in their career, you know, it, it's really about bringing other people up. And you know, and, and concentrating on helping others. Now that you're yeah. at that that sort of position, um, I just we just wanted to talk a little bit about um, 
inspiration, motivating uh, a team in publishing. And I wondered if uh, there's a strategy or, or an approach that you take when, when motivating um, uh, and working with companies uh, towards a shared shared goal that, that, that you utilize. So I think, as we said earlier, different people are really inspired and motivated by different things. And I think it's really important to understand different personalities in a team, but also different personalities of companies. Um, I think it's it's important to really know what does motivate people. Um, and as we talked about earlier about inspiring and mm empowering people to really recognize their contribution to teamwork and towards the common goal which is ultimately having a successful business um i think with companies it is slightly different to individuals but again i think it's about being flexible um the goal may change the journey towards getting to that goal may change as well but i think when you get it right, it's a real sense of satisfaction. And I, I do take great pride in seeing team members grow and spreading their wings or working with companies to come together towards that that goal and mm. taking them on a journey and, and coming to that outcome, which, you know, may involve overcoming a lot of different challenges. Um, those challenges may change along the way. The goalposts mm. may change along the way. But I think it's about, again, listening, taking on board people's opinions, not always having a set journey towards the end goal, because there's a good chance that will change, as I say. And, and being able to be flexible is really important. Do you think um, there's a kind of difference in motivating people in a potentially in an industry that's more creative than a lot of others? Do you think that sort of affects, affects how leadership is sort of best placed? Yeah, I think it, it does mean even greater um, flexibility, actually. And I think taking into account lots of different personalities. I think in publishing, you've got the real creative end of the scale, but you've also got the real business end of the scale. And I think often mm -hmm. there can be a conflict between the creative and the business and trying yeah. to meet in the middle with, again, having respect for the other the other point of view if you like and and trying to find a meeting of minds that ensures creativity can thrive and shine through and not be stifled but also taking into account the business element yeah definitely so I guess also you know because the last few years have been um a bit of a struggle for a lot of companies and organizations you know financially and also with the way that things are now working um you know has your job as a leader become more challenging um or have those challenges changed i i think the last few years have been hugely turbulent in terms of change mm. and i think the publishing industry has seen greater change in the last five to ten years than it's seen <laughs> in a very long time i mean i think change has happened in publishing but this has been a lot of change in a short space of time um, and I think organisations have had to take big decisions and make a raft of adjustments. Change is always difficult for people um, and it's difficult for leaders as well. And I think what I've really learned in that time is some of the skills that I talked about earlier, especially around communication and empathy, are really important. 
And I think, you know, businesses are always filled with challenges and, and they could be external factors such as the pandemic, or it could be internal factors around business strategy, around um, uh, attitude to risk, around levels of growth. Um, but I think one of the best ways of dealing with such of those challenges is to be honest with people. And mm. in difficult times, um, I think in all the time, but especially in difficult times, put people first and put their well-being first as much as you can and and be kind to people even if delivering mm. bad news i think being kind um in in turbulent times and and in in terms of challenge i think being kind is really important couldn't agree more um so emma it's great great to have you um uh, live from the the Frankfurt Book Fair, have you had the chance to sample any of the atmosphere yet, or or have you just just arrived? So I've just arrived, but I think my question from a week ago to where it is today has changed considerably um, yes. in terms of in terms of the build up to the fair. Um, it's been a really turbulent few years for book fairs and for trade fairs. And at the start of the pandemic, we didn't even know if we'd ever go back to having book fairs. Mm. Um, lots of people felt that they really missed the interactions that book fairs present. But many companies also felt it was a budget line where savings could be made. You know, yeah. why why have a book fair when it was really successful working online and in the virtual world during the pandemic? So I think questions have been raised over how much money is spent on trade fairs and things can be made. Um, so I think the, the coming back of book fairs was really exciting. Um, last year's Frankfurt Book Fair was overshadowed by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And I think whilst there was great excitement about meeting up in Frankfurt this year, parties back on the agenda, business to be done, I think it's been overshadowed once again by war and what's happening between Israel and Gaza. And I think, you know, it's really heartbreaking to hear about the devastation in, in the region. But um, many Middle Eastern exhibitors and visitors have withdrawn from the fair on the back of um, a statement issued by the fair. And I think that's definitely put a dampener on what was shaping up to be a really exciting and vibrant fair. So we'll see. We'll see how it, how it pans out. It's it's a tricky situation, isn't it? But I think you know potentially an argument more than ever that you know meeting face to face is really valuable. But also, and it's also you know within a business, you know having that um, having that kind of non tangible way of connecting with people that can't necessarily be quantified in finance that that sort of uh, that old argument of creative versus business mm. you can't always justify the cost for something but you have a feeling that it will probably be exponentially beneficial it's sort of the same sort of thing as communicating in person versus online i think potentially it really is and i think book fairs are full of serendipitous meetings so meeting yeah. in the coffee queue or meeting in the bar or attending a dinner with a group of people you haven't met before, but also meeting up with people you haven't done business with before. Um, publishing really is a, a people industry. Yeah. And there's nothing better than getting together at a book fair with people you've worked with for many years or 
people that you've just established relationships with and finally meet in person and things click into place in terms of building that relationship. So I think I think that excitement will still be there this this year. I just mm. think it's it's just been yeah. overshadowed a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And do you on that note, do you find it easier to motivate um, a team in person? Um, or, you know, I can imagine it is difficult to sort of take temperature of teams or companies online, or is it just a kind of a different experience? Well, I think it is much easier to motivate a team in person. And I think online and and the virtual world definitely has its place in today's working world. Um, And it's much easier if you're a team that know each other well. But I think nothing really beats being together and, and bouncing off each other. Again, going back to that creative side and and also managing that balance between creative and business. And I think it is much harder to create and transmit energy online. Um, and as you can, as, as you say, it can be much harder to read people and really understand yeah. what's happening in the background if, mm. if you don't meet in yeah. person. Yeah, um, I agree. Having said that, I did work with one team for two years during the pandemic and we were all based in different countries. We didn't meet in person once and it, it actually went pretty well. Um, who knows, it might have gone better if we could have met in person and did meet in person. Um, but I think we did really foster a sense of openness and communication that made things go quite smoothly. You have some fun and not make it all about work online. And I yeah. think that that helped where we encouraged each other to talk about what was going on in our family life, in our personal life, what was going on in the background and take time out to do some quizzes and play yeah. silly games and, and not make it all about business. Yeah. Um, so it maybe it would have, if we could have met in person, it would have been better, but generally it was okay. I'm not sure it's, it's ideal for the long, longer term. And I think it's definitely not ideal um, for people that are new to an industry or need to build their network I think it's it's really difficult to do that online yeah it's it's a it's a tricky one isn't it I think I guess it's maybe about structuring how you communicate online because it those those the kind of little background bits that you know they're more personal that help build relationships are kind of just more natural and happen as a matter of course in person um whereas online you have to sort of create the space for it perhaps I think I think you have to make a really conscious effort. We we played all kinds of games of randomly picking people who you ended up having a virtual coffee with, even if they weren't in your team, for example, yeah. just so that you've got to build your network and got to understand the company in a much easier way without just interacting with the people that are in your team. Yeah. And I think that that helped, but it had to be um, a much more conscious effort to do things that would perhaps naturally happen in an office environment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're certainly seem to be seeing, you know, both in publishing and, you know, notably in the tech industry, the, the kind of return to the office, the, the kind of backtracking on the working from home five days a week thing, you know, it, it but to some extent it does feel like remote will still be here for good to some extent, um, and just just coming back to the 
the conversation around leadership. I just wondered if you had any kind of tips around, you know, keeping a, a, a team engaged when it is being done remotely. Yeah, I mean, I do think in-person touch points are really important, even if they're only social in-person mm, yeah. touch points and you're not all in an office. I think just being completely remote and, and never having those face-to-face contacts, I think, is really difficult to, to keep that collective motivation going. Um, I think I would want to understand the way each individual in my team worked to know if more regular in-person was required for that individual to keep them motivated even if it was one-on-one um, or more social so a good example would be younger people who um, I've encountered really struggle with being fully remote and need that in-person interaction for both professional and social reasons mm. um, I think as a leader in a primarily remote setting I do think it's important to keep communication lines really open team meetings one-on-one online chats be it teams slack or another tool um and and i think in a remote setting going back to to what we were talking about earlier about listening i think it's really important to check in on people and ask how they are and and really mean it you know be be really interested in their well-being um yeah. And I think it's important to have fun um, and, and have a laugh as well as taking the job seriously, which, again, can be a bit more difficult online than in person. Um, but again, I, I think as well in, in a fully remote setting, I think it's really important to set expectations with people. So allowing flexibility, um, but also for your team to know that just because they, they're remote doesn't mean they're expected to be available 24 hours a day. I think during the pandemic, we did see quite a lot of those boundaries slipping and yeah. people feeling that because they were remote or at the end of a Teams chat, that they were expected to be available for much longer than than the working day. So I think just, just being clear with people, setting expectations, checking in on their well-being, and as I say, having having time to have a bit of fun as well. Absolutely, yes. Definitely. Um, I mean, from your vast experience, um, what, what would you say the dangers are that come with neglecting to motivate or inspire your team? Well, I, I think the answer to this is quite clear. I think demotivation spreads and one person can bring down a whole team. Um, and it can also determine whether a project succeeds or fails can determine whether a business succeeds or fails and I think trying to spot the early signs of a lack of motivation or inspiration can be quite tricky Um, but I think it is important to either mitigate or be ready to deal with any lack of motivation. Um, So Emma are there any training or leadership courses that you'd recommend to those who want to refresh their skills or or their approach to team management and strategy? Well I think as I said earlier I think my biggest learnings have come from observing others and reflecting on past mistakes, past successes Um, and I think coaching or mentoring is a more successful strategy than a training course at, at, at that stage of leadership. 
Um, I think buddying up with others in a similar situation and discussing challenges that you're facing, um, either with a mentor or a peer, can be really helpful. I think uh, leadership and training courses can be quite generic. Um, I've never been on a successful leadership course, um, but I have spent time with coaches and mentors and talking things through with peers just to disentangle and and really understand other people's approaches and, and learn that way. I think learning on the job is, is a good way. Um, it, it's a training course in itself. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it is a real kind of... Um cumulative effect isn't it of of experience Experience. I think like you say yeah Yeah. um so I guess you know for someone who's taking on um, a job with leadership responsibilities for the first time you know would your advice be different there um or you know again is it a case of learning as they go yeah I think it's it's about um attributes as well as skills and I think it's about being open being honest about communicating well as we said earlier um, I think it's about being humble and, and don't let power go to your head. I think sometimes I've seen that with people who are first-time managers, feel like they have to be a different person and, and the authenticity sometimes disappears. Yeah. Um, I think being collaborative, um, listening with 100% of yourself to what people have to say, especially in those early stages. Um, And we talked about empowering your team, bring them with you, involve them in decision making and and have that mentor, have that coach, have a buddy, learn from your mistakes um, and ask for feedback from your team as well. Um, It doesn't have to be every day, but I think having that check in with your team to ask ask for feedback can often be um, really eye-opening you know ask what you've done well ask what you could improve upon ask for things or situations that that maybe you haven't um acted in a way that other people have felt was was a good way and and learn from that yeah Um, and I think really observe others especially other people that you admire um and again have a bit of fun with it you know remember to laugh and not take everything you know far too seriously and 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 keep it authentic as I said and on a slightly different note and I guess this is a question I would have wanted to know the answer to when I was earlier on in my management career but you know do you have any advice around managing colleagues that may also be really good friends it's sort of the nature of our industry that we have such close relationships with the people we work with and and with I think publishing generally brings a certain kind of person into the industry if that's not too broad a statement but that can be quite a tricky dynamic if you've got people in your team maybe you've just been promoted and all of a sudden you're the manager now um you know what what would you what advice would you give I think it goes back to that being open and being honest and and having that clear line of communications around what's expected in that line manager um uh, employee relationship I guess mm-hmm. um but again not letting it let not letting the power go to your head not all of a sudden becoming a different person but just being clear on 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 where the roles and responsibilities in the working environment lie um 
I think if, if you've got one or two particular really good friends in the team, I think it's really important not to show favouritism um, and, and yeah. not to necessarily let that friendship impact on the working relationship. I think it's it's tricky. It's not easy. Um, but over time, I think that that does that does work itself out. And, and especially if you've got that feedback um, process in place where people feel yeah. that they can say, you know, maybe you have let the power go to your head a little bit and, you know, or, or this made me feel uncomfortable um, expressing how different situations make you feel and, and being open and honest. Yeah, I, I wish I'd, I'd had you to speak to <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Great. Uh, so Emma, could you tell us tell us a bit about uh, being flexible on, on your on your journey through your career? Yeah. So I've I've had leadership roles in in different forms. I guess there's leadership as in managing a team or managing a project. But a lot of what I've worked on over the last decade is around building consensus with companies. So having um, an end goal in mind and working really closely with different publishing companies or different organizations like literacy charities, for example, to have an end goal in mind, but not necessarily having the journey mapped out on how Mm. you're going to get to that end goal. And it's been about building consensus, not necessarily leading companies to the end goal, but just building consensus on the journey that you're going to take together to get to that end goal um and and there's always fallout along the way and building consensus requires a lot of compromise it requires a lot of flexibility but hopefully if you can listen to people's opinions and and try and take those on board into the process um flexing as you go then i think you that's a different type of leadership skill um yeah, and and, and on, on on the idea of bringing people together has been incredible to see the the growth of Publishers Without Borders. I think for any listeners out there who may not yet be aware of of, of Publishers Without Borders, could you uh, tell us a bit of, about it and and the growth that you've seen? Sure. So it it started off at the start of the pandemic with um, a Canadian publisher called Simon Desjocas from Quebec in Canada, who reached out to a group of us and said, hey, guys, it doesn't look like we're going to be meeting up at book fairs anytime soon. What do you think about creating uh, an informal group on social media, probably Facebook, that Mm. would um, allow people to connect with each other and talk about what they're going through and what they're experiencing? And he ran a very small publishing company at the time and felt quite isolated because Mm. of the pandemic and felt like he needed a space to connect with people and reach out to friends and and create that support network. So that's that's how it was really born. And a group of us came on board to help him out on the admin side of things. So on the admin and the tech and and the building of the community and reaching out to people. And since then, it it really grew quite naturally. Um, We tried to have sessions throughout the first year of the pandemic 
to talk to people about what was going on in different countries. That kind of expanded to uh, very educational sessions, trying to um, give people insights into the publishing industry around the world. So we had different focuses, different themes. And then as book fairs started to come back, there were a lot of questions being asked about safety procedures, um, COVID procedures, and what was being put in place around the book fairs. So we pivoted to interviewing book fair directors at the time who were able to reach out to a large part of the community that they may not have otherwise been able to reach and, and have that human interaction online to talk about what was going on and what their plans were. And as we kind of got back to book fairs, there was a call out for, hey, we've been chatting online for a couple of years now. How about we meet up? And how about we instigate some physical Publishers Without Borders meetups? So that's kind of where it, it's, it's evolved organically. There wasn't really a plan in place. And we didn't have that end goal of where we wanted to get to. We just wanted to provide a place where people felt that they could come along and meet people, especially if you were new to the publishing industry or changing jobs or maybe changing countries or going to a book fair for the first time on your own and didn't want to feel like you didn't have a group of people that you could meet up with for a drink or meet up with for dinner. So, yeah, it, it's really grown organically. And we now have WhatsApp groups. We have the Facebook group. We've got Instagram. And it's become quite... And T-shirts. Um, and T-shirts. We've all got T-shirts. <laughs> I know Laura's got hers. She does, yes. She's very happy with hers, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think the next T-shirts will be in Bologna next year. Um, although... I think we might have to produce many more T-shirts than we did the first time round <laughs> as, as, as the community's grown. But it, it, it's for fun and it's for exchanging information with people and, and to make you feel not alone if you're going to a book fair for the first time. And for spreading information as well about yeah. great things like Book Machine, for example. <laughs> so through our collaborations, I think there's been a real mutual um, building of communities there. Definitely, definitely. Fantastic. Thank you to Emma for a, a great chat from uh, the Frankfurt Book Fair. In, enjoy the rest of the fair, Emma. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Um, and as always, thank you to Gemma, thank you to Neve, our producer, and thank you to you for listening. Uh, now do join us for the, the next episode of the Boom Machine Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Boot Machine Podcast, Conversations in Publishing. If you like this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. It really helps us to reach more listeners. You can catch up with Boot Machine by following us on social media, setting up for our community newsletter, or checking out our website at bootmachine.org. See you next time.